You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Welcome back to Beltway Beef. I'm Ethan Lane, Vice President of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And joining us, as he does from time to time, is a very distinguished guest, the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee from the great state of Pennsylvania, G.T. Thompson. Thank you for being back on the podcast. Now, Ethan, just a pleasure to be with you, to be able to, you know, to catch up with you and, and you know what, and, just, and to be able to share uh, for all those hardworking ranchers that are all across this country that, uh, quite frankly, frankly, keep us well fed with the best beef in the world. You know, one of the things traveling around the country is I do quite a bit. I, I get questions from my Western producers sometimes. You know, G.T. Thompson's from Pennsylvania. Is that, do they really understand agriculture? I have had more opportunity in the last couple of years to get up into Pennsylvania for different reasons. I can't tell you how much I enjoy seeing some of what you guys do in that state. The cattle industry is awesome in yeah. Pennsylvania. Um, you know, you, you come to these different farm stands and, and Lancaster and places like that. You have an incredibly vibrant ag scene in, in Pennsylvania. No, we really do. It's our number one industry, which surprises people. Although, you know what, I would encourage people to think about it this way. Almost every state that I know of, the number one industry is agriculture. That's right. We just don't take credit for it. We don't tell that story. Yep. Certainly true in Pennsylvania. One out of every seven jobs is is uh, agriculture, and we're very diverse in our agriculture, mm-hmm. obviously. Livestock's incredibly important. Dairy's our biggest component, um, and, and we've got all kinds of crops that we grow and and grapes, and uh, we've got the world's best hardwoods in, in, the de- in, in my district, actually, and uh, but we also also have wonderful livestock in terms of cattle. Yeah. Uh, we are, you know, our cattlemen's uh, uh, association is is active. It's, uh, you know, I'm honored to be affiliated with them. They, uh, in fact, they, they put me in the in the uh, Cattlemen's Hall of Fame. My picture hangs in. Uh, I heard that. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, uh, uh, they, uh, our uh, farm show that we have, uh, 37 acres under roof, uh, um, you know, they, they've got all these pictures there. And it's pretty humbling because my, my, my picture hangs on a wall with some incredible people, yeah. some people who really deserve to be there, actually, and, right. and have worked hard uh, from so many perspectives within the cattle industry. But I'm honored to be there because of my policy work. Well, and I think those of us that work with you think you probably belong there as well. And we're excited to have you working on all these issues. But it does beg the question, how do we keep that agricultural footprint going when here we are? It's it's 2022. We're, we're looking at an election cycle that's going to be pretty consequential for everybody. But we're also looking at a farm bill process that is, uh, I guess, late is the charitable way to put it. Um, you made a comment the other day. We were at a we were at a meeting, and you made the comment that by this time in the last farm bill process, uh, the House Ag Committee had held a hundred hearings and listening sessions. How many have we held this time? Three. 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 Three so far. We did 130 total in the 2018 Farm Bill process, which probably made it one of the most successful Farm Bills we've ever done because of the number of voices that we've, we've brought to the table. Now, I, you know, I've been trying to make up the difference. In the meantime, as ranking member, I don't control the 
uh, the scheduling of those. That's the chairman does that in the majority party. But I, I mean, I've been traveling all over the country. Most recently, I sat down with, uh, uh, you know, a cattleman in, in, in uh, Southern California. Uh, you know, I've been on feedlots uh, in different parts of the country and mm-hmm. and looking forward to continuing that. I'm, I'm really, you know, um, well, let me put it this way. If things would flip and we would become in the majority, I'm looking forward to bringing all members, encouraging all members, Republicans and Democrats, and we travel and we and we go to different states and we hear firsthand from farmers and ranchers and foresters and be able to make visits to feedlots and and processing sites and you know because you learn so much doing that and that's yeah. always been a part of the farm bill process. We just we've and COVID's been a big part of this, quite frankly. Sure. But but still, it's uh, it's important that we we uh, get out and you know we we've got a deadline when this current farm bill expires and that's September thirtieth, twenty twenty three. Yep, and the clock is ticking. But you've you've been in tireless. I mean, you've been out all over the country. You're in front of producers. You're talking to people. You've covered a ton of ground in the last year. It's been fun to watch well, you move around. Well, it, it's been fun. I, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, people ask me when I first came on the committee, why are you on the agriculture committee? And I didn't hesitate. I said I like to. Eat. <laughs> and if you like to eat, you want to be on the agriculture committee. Absolutely, but, but that's but and it's more than the food on our plate. It's the rural economy. Mm-hmm. It's uh, there's uh, anything essential that we have in life. Most of those come from a farm, someplace, yeah. or a ranch, or a forestry operation. And and so it's it, it's been incredible. I've talked about being in California and feedlots and meeting with with uh, ranchers, but I've done the same thing in Nebraska. Uh, you know, I've done that uh, with uh, land grant universities. It focused on on livestock. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Florida. Most people are really surprised by how many cattle there are in Florida. Yeah, they think that the only critters down there is Mickey Mouse and alligators. That's right. And but uh, there's more cattle than anything else. Turns out there's a big cattle presence. Well, a big down there. cattle presence. Yep. Of course, you know my home state and in other states I've traveled to. Mm-hmm. It's it's been great to see the footprint of the American cattleman. Well, we appreciate that because it is pretty diverse around the country. You know, as we go into this farm bill, looking at some of the priorities that I know are on producers' minds, this has been a tumultuous couple years in agriculture generally, specifically in the cattle industry. You know, looking at what the farm bill can do to help cattle producers. You know, we, we don't participate the way other commodities do. We, right. we don't do the same kind of programs. So I think we're keenly interested in looking at opportunities for risk management, particularly for sectors like the cow-calf sector that haven't had access to as many tools in the past. You know, disaster relief programs, unfortunately, always seem to be, uh, you know, kind of top of mind. We seem to leapfrog from hurricane to flood to fire, to drought, um, and, and, you know, voluntary conservation programs and things like that. How do we focus on those real deliverables when we know that there are going to be some other priorities that are going to also be a big part of that conversation? Climate, which we, we know is going to be a big part of this. Um, you know, those competing priorities make the farm bill possible, but it also makes it a real challenge for you guys, doesn't it? Well, it, it does. But here's the thing. I, we, we don't need a climate change title in the farm bill. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, what we need to do is give credit to the American ranchers, farmers, foresters for what they do. You know, for too long, they've been, there's been a bullseye right on the back of, of all these these folks, uh, these families that work so hard to provide us food and fiber that says climate criminal. Yep. And that's just, it's so wrong. Yes. Because if you go with real science, not political science, mm-hmm. like I like to say, science <laughs> according to God's law, you know, and, and you really look at who's getting it done for a, a healthier environment and a healthier economy. 
it's our ranchers, it's the cattlemen, it's our foresters, it, it's our farmers. Um, and so um, we, we, you know, and, and we ought to start with what we know works. And that's really these farm bill uh, programs that we have. You mentioned some of them, right. obviously, the, the risk management tools. And that's been so important. I know that we, uh, you know, one of the um, and that in the upcoming farm bill priorities, um, our our hearings, our information gathering sessions, you know, I, I would put risk management on the top there. Um, and when it comes to livestock, one of the biggest areas of growth in the federal crop insurance program has been in, in the livestock area, yeah. livestock policy. Yeah. yeah. LRP. Yeah. Yep. LR, yeah, absolutely. Uh, PRF, LRP. Yep. And I think most people know this, but it may be a surprise to some. You know, prior to the 2018 Farm Bill, there was a cap on the amount of livestock insurance that could be sold, which was lifted in the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018. And prior to that change, we only covered about $500 million in liability for livestock policies. And this year alone, we're, we're going to insure $13 billion, billion. See, that's unbelievable. And I don't know that that's well understood, that there's yeah. been that big a difference in engagement in those yeah. programs. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, uh, you know, and we got to make sure that all these risk management tools remain available for our livestock producers. And, and we need NCBA's uh, help defending the crop insurance program when it comes time to reauthorize the farm bill. Because there's, there's always going to be those voices out there that absolutely do not understand agriculture. They don't understand why uh, farms, ranches, certain sizes should qualify, right. why farms that are organized, um, are, let's say incorporated, well, that's normally just to, these are family-owned, that they do that to protect themselves. So um, I, I have no doubts that we're, we won't see amendments that try to negatively impact um, crop insurance, oh, including yeah. the livestock portion. I just don't want it to be a fair fight. <laughs> I want to be able to defeat those motions that will, amendments that will be offered in a huge way. And we do that by, you know, by educating members and their staff of, of what, what, when we say risk management in agriculture, what we actually mean. That's right. You know, another area that has been a real focus is is animal disease. You know, we, we have clearly had a wake up call during COVID, but foot yeah. and mouth disease, making sure that we have a vaccine bank that's 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 fully funded and, and able to meet that challenge. That's something that was created in the last farm bill. That's right. You know, looking for opportunities to make sure that we maintain and grow that footprint moving into the next one so that we don't have these kinds of problems in the U.S. that we've seen in other parts of the world. Is that something that you feel like there's going to be some bipartisan? Uh, I think it's going to be bipartisan, on? but it, I tell you, it's one of those areas that really frustrates me the most. Uh, of our pace yeah. with the Farm Bill oversight because we have real threats, right? That's right. Uh, we have this uh, aviation... Uh, um, avian... Avian flu. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, that is 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 now that we know, especially in Atlantic states, we, you know, we've uh, got the swine... Um, ASF. It's in it's in Puerto yeah, Rico now. African swine fever. Yep. That's right. In Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic is right. where it's at, and and so it's you know it's close. It's absolutely close. Yep. I was so proud of the work we did with establishing that FMD uh, vaccine bank, but it'd be nice to be doing some oversight, an oversight hearing. Let's see how it's how's how it's going. How yeah. it's going. How prepared are we? Right. Um, and. Um, you know, certainly with the spread of those two, uh, animal health is certainly has to be at the top of mind when we enter next enter into the next farm bill negotiations. Absolutely looking forward to learning more about USDA's investments in the vaccine bank so far and hearing from the industry about, number one, whether we need to bolster these efforts. 
I think that probably is the case. We'll see. Uh, and and if so, the the best way of going about uh, moving forward with that. So I know you got to get to votes, but we got one more issue that I know cattle producers are highly focused on, and that's the 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 ongoing, maybe seemingly never ending conversation on cash mandates yeah. and and cattle, cattle marketing. Markets. You know, there's been. There's been a lot of movement in the last few months. You know, American Farm Bureau Federation reversed their policy in January at their meeting. We reaffirmed our policy and strengthened it at our meeting and and basically sending the message that we like a lot of the the ideas that are being contemplated here as industries, but the mandate piece is is not something most people are interested in. Where do you see that now? I mean, the Senate seems to be in such a different place than the House does as far as their perspectives on this. I'm not sure the Senate is completely unified with uh, the the leading point of view in the Senate. I, you know, I think uh, you know, as a conservative who generally believes in free markets, I'm always in favor of private industry-led solutions. Yeah. And, and I know that National Cattlemen's effort, Beef Association, has devoted a lot of time and effort to studying, exploring ways to really to improve market conditions. And when the government gets involved, you have to always be worried about unintended consequences. And that's that's one of the issues with these mandates. Um, you know, when the affected industry doesn't quite agree on the exact problem, defining the problem, first of all, or, ex- or the extent of the problem, and then it really becomes even more difficult to find that silver bullet or solution by, by way of a government program or a mandate. And right. with the mandate, we'd probably have more unintended negative consequences than the, the positive intended consequences. That, that's why I was pleased to see, as you kind of reflected, Ethan, the, the industry as a whole really coalesced around the concept of well, first of all, the cattle contract library. You know, it's not the silver bullet, but it's it's a great tool to put in the toolbox, right? right? Exactly. And I and I think that uh, broad based support was reflected in a in a huge vote on Dusty Johnson's bill when it passed uh, the House, and again when it was included as a as a pilot in the omnibus just last week. Right. Um, I mean, I wasn't crazy overall about the omnibus, but there's some really good stuff. A few little nuggets in t- there tucked into it. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, now I'm just anticipating maybe USDA could be a little ex, uh, expeditious in implementing that program. They've been a little slow with some other stuff. And We're hopeful. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that uh, that they look to the House Pass Bill as a guide as we work together to try and, and provide producers with, you know, some more valuable marketing information for making decisions. Right. That's the biggest thing that we keep finding is it's access to information. It's, it's making sure that our producers are armed with the information they need to compete with the packing sector as far as those negotiations go, making sure that they they, they have the tools to make sure they're getting the best deal on their cattle, making as much money as possible yeah. on their cattle. So we appreciate your efforts on that um, and, and every issue that you work on. This has been a fascinating couple years in American agriculture. Um, you know, I, I hope I'm not premature in saying that a lot of us are very excited to see where you go in the next year, obviously with the election cycle coming up, yeah. um, it is it is very possible we could be talking to the next chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, um, and and we certainly would be extremely excited to see you move into that role. So, well, it it would be an honor to serve. It's an honor to serve, um, and uh, and the Agriculture Committee is a is really 
kind of a blessed place to serve. We, we've had our moments yeah. uh, when uh, Democratic leadership has kind of inserted themselves into the committee a few, a couple times. That's been unusual, right? I mean, it's yeah. been a different dynamic we, than you yeah, see. We don't in the past. do that in the Agriculture yeah. Committee, right? And and uh, uh, I'm so you know we uh, Republicans and Democrats normally we work together and we have worked w- well together. We've we've done a rural broadband bill. We've done the cattle market contract bill. We've done uh, uh, WIP Plus, mm-hmm. uh, which was a great victory that we did for right. for American agriculture and for our ranchers. And so we have the capacity to continue to do good, bar, or let me say great, bipartisan work on behalf of agriculture and rural America. And I look forward to continue to be a part of that leadership in whatever capacity going forward. Ranking member G.T. Thompson, thank you very much for being here. We, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate all your work on behalf of the industry, and we look forward to working with you in the future. Hey, thank you so much. You Take bet. care. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.